Thanks for listening to the Mercy Church Podcast. If you're in the area, we want to invite you to join us the last weekend in March as we celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Good Friday services will be at 6 p.m. on Friday evening. And then on Sunday morning, we invite you to join us for a time of worship, a message, and baptisms. Bring your friends, your family, and if you feel so led, invite your coworker, cashier, or barista to join you. Services will be held at regular service times at all campuses. To learn more, visit mercycharlotte.com slash events. Again, that's mercycharlotte.com slash events. Well, hey, good morning, Mercy family. Man, last weekend, I just want to thank you for joining us and celebrating our fifth birthday. That was an awesome weekend, awesome celebration at our uh, live service we had here uh, at our Providence Road campus. We got to see nine people baptized, profession of faith. It was an awesome morning. So if you weren't here with us, I want you to know you're still a part of that. And we're so grateful um, for your contribution to our ministry here. And we're just thankful for what the Lord is doing around here and to be a part of it. As we kind of turn the page into the next season in the life of our church, uh, we're going to pick up the book of Proverbs, the Old Testament book of Proverbs. And we're going to start a five-week series in these Proverbs. And we're going to call this Live Well. All right, Live Well. And Proverbs is going to teach us about how to understand and harness God's wisdom for our lives. Now, wisdom is going to be what we're after this whole series, okay? But I got to tell you, man, that word has such rich meaning in this book. It's, it's going to have imagery and metaphor in abundance. But down at the core, I want you to know that this wisdom, it's not some secret spiritual knowledge like a fortune cookie from God or something like that, it, nor is it a catalog of life hacks, you know, some shortcuts uh, to getting there. No, Proverbs is going to present wisdom as the skills for living well in God's creation. Now, how do we, it's things like, how do you navigate difficult situations and and even difficult people with dignity and honor? How do you express your emotions? How do you receive emotions? How do you care well for others? How do you manage your money, your friendships, your family, and your time? How do you pursue justice in our world? And how does all of this tie together in a way that actually gives us life as we pursue it? It's going to lay out, the Proverbs lay out a couple of paths, the path of life and the path of death. And what wisdom does is wisdom helps you discern the path of life and take steps down it. And we're going to keep coming back to that imagery, the path of life and the path of death, because what will help you is going to be being forced. Now, listen to me. It's going to be a little bit of a challenge. We're kind of just jumping into this. Okay. But I know what's going to help you is being forced to identify which path you're on. We like to think of ourselves as just too complex, though, to be limited to one path like that. I'm just too complex of a person. I'm on both paths a little bit, something like that. Look, Proverbs is going to keep it real simple. And in keeping it simple, it's going to force us, each one of us into some very healthy, but difficult self-assessment about where we are right now, life or death. You are always choosing one of those paths. 
Now, we're not going to go through all of the Proverbs in this particular series. My goal is to equip you to go through the Proverbs and help you understand how to apply them to your life. So what I want to do to kind of help equip us over these next five weeks is offer a little exercise for us to all take together in this. All right. There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. I want to challenge you to join all of us in reading one chapter of Proverbs a day for the next 31 days. All right. Now there should be about 35 days that we spend in Proverbs. If I do the seven times five math, but I think 31 days, that gives us a couple of misses here and there, you know, to be able to catch up, read a chapter a day. And we're actually going to have some stuff that we're going to be sending out to you uh, through our different channels to help you walk along in these chapters. All right. A chapter a day, you're going to be amazed at what God will teach you what you'll see in scripture as you just spend, uh, it's not going to take you that long each day, but spend a day considering God's wisdom for your life. All right. Now, the first nine chapters, pretty much all together, if I can kind of summarize the book, the first nine chapters pretty much lay out this path idea. Okay. There's two paths. I'm going to spend two weeks introducing you to wisdom and to the paths of life and death. Then the next three, we're going to move into what God says it looks like to apply that wisdom in specific areas of our life, basically to walk on the path. All right. And in those three weeks, we're going to talk about anxiety. We're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about friends, but we're going to start with wisdom itself today. What are the skills of living well in God's creation? So I want you to go over to chapter three. I think chapter three serves as a really mountaintop, awesome moment in these first nine chapters. Um, And I think it's just, uh, especially the first three chapters, Proverbs three summarizes it so well. So we're going to start in verse one. We'll probably get to about verse 12, maybe a little bit bit further. We'll see. All right. But we're in Proverbs, excited to see the wisdom of God. You ready? Yeah. Yeah, let's go. All right. Verse one, my son. Don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands. Now, I want you to see that there's a, this is a relational message here. And this is big in understanding Proverbs. This is a dad to his son. This is King Solomon. What you need to see is that this is a letter. Proverbs is not just a series of random sayings. It's a letter that's instructing his son how to live well, how to find and how to walk on the path of life. He's teaching him the skills for living well. And the reason that this letter was placed in scripture and given to us is because it's a lot more than just a letter from King Solomon to his son. This is God's letter to his children. It's his letter to you and I. When you see my son right there, I want you to see yourself right there. Whether son or daughter, this is God's letter that he has wrote down and put his wisdom for living well. He's given that to you. I can't stress how valuable these words are. I think about my own life. Um, My grandfather, uh, Pop, all right? He was like the guy that I would say, man, this guy was just very wise. And I learned a lot of wisdom from him. That's what I thought as I kind of walked through life and everything and still do, by the way, still still do think that. Um, But when he passed away, he wasn't one to like write down these things. He would just tell us, you know, every time I'd see him, he'd say, Spencer, I love you. I'm so proud of you. And then we get to talking and he'd offer some kind of thing. And so we wrote them all down after he passed away. And then we started looking at him and they weren't exactly all winners. 
You know what I mean? Like, we're like, as grownups looking back, we're like, what? Like, there was one, and it's actually a common saying, but this is something he said a lot. He said, uh, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Now, that's a super common saying. My grandfather did not come up with it. But I started thinking about it, and I was like, what? That is very gross. Why are we skinning cats? We don't need the fur. Why do we need multiple ways to do this? This is a very disgusting thing here. And there's a whole lot better ways to communicate that. There's another one he used to say when I was talking, I had these big vision dreams and I go sit with pop. He said, I love you. I'm so proud of you. But what it sounds like you're trying to do is kill a fly with a hatchet. And I'm like, there's a lot better ways that you could say that, Pop. You could say you're trying to knock something with way too big of a solution for a small problem, everything else. That was his way of doing things. They weren't all winners, okay? Sometimes you had to sift through a lot of dirt to get the nuggets when it came to Pop. Look, this God's letter of wisdom to you is an entirely different thing because he's not wasting words. There's no sifting here. This is a gold bar, right? This is all of what you need. This is God saying, I love you. I love you. I see you. I want you. I love you. And here, here's how to live. I, I know my world is so much bigger than you, so much more complex than you can get your mind around. And the more you see of it, the more you realize how small you are and how big it is. But listen, I love you here. Here's how to live in my world. And what we're doing over these next few weeks together is we're just receiving from God and saying, okay, thank you. Now I'm going to try and live well. Because if you live apart from it, God says, it's going to lead down this path of folly and death. But I haven't left it to be a guessing game for you. Here, here's my letter to you. That's what we're receiving as we receive the Proverbs. All right, let's keep going. You'll see that. In fact, he says, he says as much right here in verse 2. For they will bring you many days, a full life and well-being. You know, guys, do you need any more motivation than that? Many days, full life and well-being. I'm, I've got a lots of motivation for why you should read the Proverbs, but that might just be enough right there. So especially if you are young, please grip these words. They will save you so much heartache so much pain. They will lead to your flourishing. I mean, don't you want this many days, full life, well-being? These words are the path that leads to life. And while this isn't exclusively written to young people, obviously there is a, a direction there, right? God is speaking life to you in these words. So the next few verses, verses three through 12, are going to lay out the things you're going to need if you're going to walk with wisdom. These are the, the tools of wisdom, all right, that you got to take down the path of life with you. Kind of like before you go on a long hike, maybe overnight camping trip, something like that. You need a gear checked, right? You got to make sure you have everything you need and that everything you need to have is working because that gear will save your life if it's there and if it's working. I'm about to lay out the gear you need to walk through the path of life. Actually, Proverbs is, and I'm going to kind of highlight that for you. And then for the rest of this series, we're going to take this gear and we're going to apply it to the various arenas in our lives. All right, we've got about five things, it looks like, in these few verses, verses 3 through 12, that make up the, the gear, that not only make up a, a wise and godly life, but they will help you become more wise and godly as you apply them. So here we go. The, the gear, so to speak, of godly wisdom. Verse three, 
I'll read three, four, and the first part of five. Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Tie them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will find favor and high regard with God and people. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Here's the first tool of wisdom. It's trust. To write loyalty and faithfulness on the tablet of your heart. I mean, already we're in some imagery. Right? I told you it would be in there. The tablet of your heart. That's the way deep down core. That's deeper than just some abide by these codes of conduct. Right? That's, that's etching it down into your soul. That's what he gets at in verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And I want you to hear right now. This is God is after your heart. He's after your heart, not just your behavior. In a series that will be filled with practical steps for living, what I hope that you hear every week is that God wants way more than your outward conformity to his ways. Outward conformity without inward transformation will be shallow. It will be empty and it will be short-lived. All right, I don't want you to just, at the end of this, be giving some religious habits to him. No, you got to give your entire heart to him. You got to place the full weight of your life and your livelihood onto him. Best way I can um, illustrate it, one that has stuck with me for a long time. Uh, we have our college retreat happening this weekend. And I went on a college retreat in, in college. And it was my sophomore year. Um, we went on a retreat is for, just for the guys, okay? So a group of guys go out to a farm, eastern North Carolina. And uh, I realize now there were no adults that were like uh, actual adults that were supervising some of the games we came up with to help drive home the point. But this verse was the, the key verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart, all right? So here's the game that these guys set up, the activity, to help us really get this idea, okay? So they set up a 10-yard by 10-yard square, okay? And then they put seven bear traps in the square. Now, I thought these must be props, you know, to kind of help break point. A guy takes a quarter-inch stick and slaps one of them, and it, boom, snapped that stick right in half. And he says to me, this is a senior, he goes, now listen, that's going to be your leg, if you step on one of these. I was like, I didn't sign a waiver. <laughs> like, what? I don't want to do it. Um, so anyways, we set up and he says, okay, now what we're going to do is we're going to blindfold you. Uh-huh. And then we're going to put 15 guys around the square and they're all going to be yelling at you to go different directions. But then there'll be one guy and you get to pick the guy. He'll be telling you, he's going to be your friend. He's going to be the voice of God to you, telling you the right way to go. Make sure you listen to him and you'll be okay. Now, y'all, I had this moment of, I don't want to do this. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't want to be the guy that chickens out in front of all the other guys. So I figure legs can be reattached. You know, it's, I'm past my prime in, in soccer anyways. So I, I get up there and I'm like, all right, here we go. The thing there. And I, I mean, guys are yelling, 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 yelling. This is a terrible idea. Do not replicate this. Okay. That's not the intent behind the story. And I go to, go to take even one step and I just, I just chick, I was like, nope, I can't do it. Nope. Can't do it. And I can kind of hear the voice. And then my friend got really smart. I'm so thankful for him. Much smarter than me. He just comes over because no rule said he couldn't comes over. He says, Hey dude, listen, just hop on my back. I'm going to walk us through this square. That is the only way you, the only way you're getting here is not if you listen to me on the sidelines, you're going to have to just ride on my back and I'm going to get you through and we're going to be fine. And I was like, dude, 
awesome. So, you know, <laughs> jump up on there. And I says, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. As we're, you know, going through the square and everything. And we make it to the other side. And the guys are cheering. They're like, that's, that's the point. So, again, my buddy, way smarter than me and everything. The point was, you got to let God carry you. You got to put your full weight onto him and he will make your path straight. And a lot of times we listen to God as one voice among many when we need to place the full weight of our trust onto him, right? That's what he's calling us. That's what he's calling us to. And listen, the motivation for giving your whole heart to him, listen, not only can you trust him because he's the one who created this whole thing, but he's already given his whole heart to you. This is what Jesus did. He brought God's unconditional covenantal love to you in full. He literally gave his heart, his life, his blood, so that you could receive forgiveness from your sin. And you could now be one who is ready to receive the love of God, that father's love. Now, this is big. This is big right out of the gate. Because listen, the Proverbs lay out a lot of wisdom, a lot of it. And, and we should live by all of it. We should receive all that God has for us. But if you only see this book as a standard to measure up to, that is intimidating and exhausting, right? Like what better example than the very last chapter of Proverbs 31? It's a great example. Right? It lays out this picture of what a godly woman is. And ladies, if you only look at her to, to see if you measure up, she's exhausting. Right? Raise a family, run a home, run a small business. You're like, where's the Proverbs 32 man? Just hanging out down at the city gate while she's doing all this stuff? What's going on here? She's exhausting if she's only a standard that you got to try and measure up to. But... If a woman approaches Proverbs 30, 31 with the peace of knowing God, her father will not change his love for her based on how well she does following this wisdom, then these sayings become the path of life for her in the tools of wisdom. All right. If we're thinking of the tools of wisdom, that gear, God's grace in Christ is your food supply. Nourish your soul on it every day or you will starve. And listen to me, when you starve spiritually, the toxic waste that exists on the path of the fool, it'll start to look appetizing and you'll start to drift down there and there will only be destruction waiting for you. So feast on God's grace every day. Let's keep going. Second half of verse five into verse six and verse seven. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him. Maybe your version says, acknowledge him. And he will make your paths straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. The second tool of wisdom is humility. It's humility. I want to show you a little bit further down in chapter three, because it helps reinforce this idea. If you look at verses 19 and 20, the Lord founded the earth by wisdom and established the heavens by understanding. By his knowledge, the watery depths broke open and the clouds dripped with dew. What God's saying there is that he created the earth with a plan. And wisdom, what wisdom is, is bringing our lives in conformity with that plan. See, Solomon, what he's doing 
in right here in verses five, six, and seven is very much calling out the one thing that'll keep us from bringing our lives into conformity with God's plan. It's our pride. Don't rely on your own understanding. Don't be wise in, on your own eyes, in your own eyes. When you are wise in your own eyes, you make decisions based on what? On what you think is best. And I believe for many of you, this is going to be the hardest part of this series because real wisdom that leads to living well starts with the humility to conform your life to the ways of God laid out in the word of God. And our pride doesn't like that. We do not like conformity, right? We want to be unique. We want to be a snowflake. We want to be me. We like autonomy. In fact, I can, I can hear the objection because I also feel it in me too, right? My flesh, I feel it. Don't tell me what to do. The path of life, we would say, our, our culture says, is me being free to find myself and be me, not to conform to what somebody else says I should be. Reality is though, that's not true. That is a false teaching from our culture that leads down a path of destruction. The freest way to live in actuality is to live in conformity with your design. I'll give you an example from my life right now. I'm trying to eat healthier in my life because the nutritionist says that I am designed to run on leafy greens and small amounts of meat. But I do not like that. All right? I don't. Apparently, I'm not designed to run on 49-ounce tomahawk ribeyes that are smothered in blue cheese and butter. But I'll tell you what, if I got a menu in front of me and it's got both of those options, I can eat my food or I can eat the food that my food eats, right? And you tell me, hey, you just follow your heart. Every single time I'm going for the steak, I'm going for the ribeye. Y'all, I never want salad, ever. Right, some of y'all like, are like, mmm, I love the taste of those leaves. Not me, not, not ever, all right? In fact, I'm confident in heaven, ribeyes and salad are swapping roles, okay? So ribeyes are going to make you ripped and salad is going to make you have heart attacks. All right, that's what's going to, salad's going to be a sad thing. Anyways, that's just my idea. But here's my point. My body is not designed to eat the unhealthy food that I want to eat. So if I follow my desires, if I, if I follow those, what happens? I get miserable, fat, and I die. If I want to feel great and live well, I humble myself to follow my design, not my desires. Y'all, knowing God's design and following it is actually the most freeing way to live. In fact, if you think about it, people who constantly follow their own sin, their own desires, usually end up in very predictable cycles of temporary satisfaction followed by pain and sorrow. On the contrary, since God has designed each person uniquely and given them unique gifts to display his glory, when they live in conformity to his design laid out in his word, they're actually the most freest and most individual they could possibly be. You will be freest when you live submitted to him and his design for your life. And y'all, I got to say this. Here's how you know. Here's how you know. If, if you possess humility, you'll demonstrate it by paying very careful attention to God's word. A humility is shown 
the evidence of it, how much you consult and submit to God's word in the decisions in your life. Like I said, it's a letter. It's been handed to you. The wise man says, you know what? My own understanding of things might be off here. I, I might be off here. Like I want, my heart wants ribeyes. Maybe I've got a blind spot or a bad motive. That's the, the wise man. The wise man or the wise woman has an insatiable hunger for God's word because he recognizes the only one sure, true thing he can base his life on is God's word. So he or she devours it. You get the paradox. If you think you are wise and listen to yourself, you are a fool. <laughs> but if you think you are a fool and humble yourself to listen to God's word, that actually makes you wise. This is another of the paradoxes of walking in God's design. And here's the thing. I don't want to sound harsh. All right. But I find a lot of people agree with me here in theory, but when it comes to real life, you don't know God's word and you don't consult God's word. You probably can't tell me what it says about marriage, about family, about work, about friendship, about money. So when decision time comes, you just kind of follow. You would say I'm submitted to God, but in the real decision-making moments, you don't know what God has to say about it. And so you just follow whatever wisdom seems right in your own eyes. And often you do whatever your easily deceived heart tells you to do. So I, like, let's talk about down rubber meets the road kind of thing. I love preaching God's word to you. It is an honor and a joy. Is this all of the Bible you get during the week though? Is this all you get? If it is, listen, humble yourself and get to know more of God's design for you. That's another reason why I want to do this 31 day challenge. I want to get us in the habit of walking in God's word and submitting ourselves to it, knowing everything he has for us. The father has written you a letter, read it. Here's the next tool. Second half of verse seven into verse eight. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Listen to this. This will be healing for your body and strengthening for your bones. Next tool of wisdom is to fear the Lord. It's to fear the Lord. This is probably the most foundational to the book of Proverbs. In fact, in its opener, Proverbs 1, 1 through 8 is really kind of the opener. And 1, 7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is where wisdom gets its start. So what is the fear of the Lord? Well, it's not like walking around being scared of God. I used to have this t-shirt the year after I became a Christian that said, fear God. And it was like this kind of scary design on the back. It was weird. It, it kind of communicated this like, God's going to get you message, which I think is a very shallow understanding of fear. To fear something means you recognize how important it is. And so you give it priority in your life. To fear God means you see him as the most valuable thing in your life, most powerful thing in your life. And so you lift him up to the top of the priority list. Uh, to use 2020 language, the one essential service in your life is God himself and what he has to say. Right? I think about it like, um, I don't, like if you're flying on a plane, back when we used to do that, and maybe we will again, like as people start to do that again. Um, you look out the side of a 747, you got this big engine, right? Am I afraid of that engine, like that it's going to jump out and get me. No, but I fear it. I have a lot of 
respect, and healthy fear of it because I recognize my livelihood is based on it working properly. And if it's not working properly, I die. If it's lost, I'm lost. I can do it without a lot of other things on the plane. Can't do it without the engine. Got to have that thing. Now, obviously, God's not an engine. He's a father who actually communicates his love for us, but you get the point. It's God the one thing you cannot do without. That kind of thing that if you didn't have him, everything else would be lost. Because y'all, look, all of us, everybody fears something. We do. There's something that if you, you have it right now, and if you lost it, life would crumble. Wisdom is saying, I'm going to make God that one thing. That's going to be the one thing. And I'm going to turn away from, turn away from evil. Evil is anything that would keep him from being that one thing. So I'm going to turn away from anything that would jeopardize my relationship with God. And I'm going to stay there. I'm going to make that the center of my life. Verse 9 and 10. Next tool. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first produce of your entire harvest. Then your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. Next tool of wisdom. This one might, might surprise you, might be unexpected, but it's generosity. The paradox of Proverbs continues. You want abundance? Give away the best of what you have. Honor the Lord with what he has given you and with what he continues to give you. If we're humbled before God and fear him, what we'll start to see is that everything belongs to him anyway. And the most driving question about our time, about our talents, and about our treasure becomes, what do you want me to do with this, God? Do you treat your money like it is his? Or instead, do you kind of, you serve your money and the gains that it gives you? Who gets top billing? I mean, do you know what God says you're supposed to do with his money? We're going to talk about money. We've got a, a sermon set aside for it in this series. But let me just ask you kind of a, a simple question. Do you pray about your monthly budget? As a family or an individual, do you have a monthly budget? If you don't, I would say get one. And when you have it, do you pray about it? Right? Do you ask God, okay, God, here's my projected income. I'm looking at October 2020. Here's my projected income. Okay, God, what do you want me to do with this? This is all yours. What do you want from me? What about the, take it away from money, what about the gifts that God has given you? He has gifted each person with each person who's a follower of Jesus, has the Holy Spirit gifted in order to glorify God in a specific way. Are you putting them to use? Those are his gifts that he's given to you. And you might say back, well, I don't know. I don't know what they are. All right. All right. That's a great spot to be in right now in our church because we want to help you figure those out. All right. So you take a step off the sidelines, you let us know, hey, I want to get in a community group. I want to get into starting point. I want to get somewhere where I can figure out how God has wired me up because I do not want to waste what he has given me. It's his and I want to use it. All right, we're going to help you with that. You let us know. We'll help you take that step. All right, verses 11 and 12, the last of these tools. Do not despise the Lord's instruction, my son. Do not loathe his discipline. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves just as a father disciplines the son in whom he delights. Y'all, the last tool of wisdom is suffering. Do not loathe the discipline of the Lord. Look, any discipline I've ever received, any discipline has not been comfortable. It's been painful. And so we should expect when the Lord disciplines us, it'll be painful, but we shouldn't run from it. 
And wisdom will teach us to see suffering, not as God punishing us, but as God refining us. The gospel reminds us we are beloved children who the father disciplines for our good. Now, listen, not all suffering is this like discipline for where you went wrong. Okay. I'm, 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 what I'm saying is I'm not in the habit of trying to figure out when I'm suffering, whether it's discipline from God or just the effect of someone else's sin or just a broken world. Wisdom says, instead of looking for someone to blame, use the sufferings as an opportunity to draw closer to God. Allow God to carry you in his strength, regardless of where this suffering came from, and you will become more like Christ in the process. But if you allow bitterness to take root, you will drift further from him. Now, here's a really cool thing. As you see all of these tools, as you consider the the gear that makes up wisdom, what you start to see is Jesus, right? Matthew 11, Jesus is going to say that he himself is actually the wisdom of God, As you look at these things, he showed ultimate trust and faithfulness to God and going to the cross. He constantly humbled himself. He was washing the disciples' feet and then going to a criminal's death. He was meek and lowly. He was generous. Though he was rich, yet for our sake, he became poor. He suffered far beyond anything. He bore his suffering without complaint, instead seeking to abide by the Father's will. Wisdom is found in the person of Jesus. It was Jesus who was with the father before the foundations of the world, creating the world. It is Jesus in person walking through in the gospels. Look, your only hope picking up these tools and deploying them on this journey is that you are confident you are saved by grace alone in Jesus Christ. Jesus is wisdom and believing the gospel, who he says you are because of what he, because of who he is. And then these tools will start to be activated for good, for flourishing. There'll be healing and nourishment to your bones and healing for your life. But it starts with, have you received the grace of Christ? And listen to me, Christian, are you actively resting? Yes, rest is active. Actively resting, abiding in, making your home in the grace of Christ. Making your home in him. One of the verses that I feel like it just, it encapsulates our ministry here as a church. Abide in me, then you will bear fruit. Proverbs is going to show you wisdom that leads to great fruit in your life. But you got to read Proverbs through the man, through the Savior, Jesus Christ. Abide in him, then you will bear. You cannot come to this hoping to just get a few tools and move on and let life be a little bit better. It'll exhaust you. It won't work. But if you'll abide in him, make your home in him, then this letter from God will lead you down a path of life better than you could ever hope to imagine having apart from it. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for giving us a guide a guide in your word and a guide in the Holy Spirit with us to to live well, to walk the path of life here in your creation. Help us, Father. Help us to approach your word, this this series in Proverbs, this, this this holy letter to us. 
Help us to approach this resting in the grace of Christ. Resting in that it was Christ who did what we couldn't do. Let us rest in his work on the cross, paying for our sins. In his resurrection, giving us victory over death. Let us rest and work from our salvation, not for it. Thank you for your grace. Father, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.